Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. With Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. The sticks are hot. The sticks are alive. They're scoring goals. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Need this win, you know. We got a lot of losses. Though. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. Well, it was a question that required uh, very little in response. Really, it called for a one-word answer. My in-depth question to Ty Anderson last night via text as we were talking about the show coming up to, uh, this morning. You and I were both there at TD Garden last night for the fun. Two-to-one overtime went over the Habs. I said uh, to Ty, what's the biggest reason? Why is this happening? Why are the Bruins having an unexpected season? Not a one-word response. I get a 17-word text. You are Mr. Nuance. You're like Drellick. You go deep dive here into why the Bruins are having this kind of a season. Here's the Ty Anderson response. You have four lines that play four uniquely different styles, and it's hard for teams to match. I was just hoping for a Bergeron or a Cassidy or a uh, a Marchand. you gotta go. You got to go real in-depth. It's not that simple. That's why. I mean, it, in years past, we'd say, okay, well, it's the first line. They're the best line in hockey, and we, we go forward. But... You look at this 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 team, this lineup, no matter the 12 skaters they put out there, it is pretty remarkable that this team is just, they score in a variety of ways. They can play different styles, like I said. I mean, you know, you have you have two lines that predominantly bang around in your Nash line with Bacchus and Heinen, and your fourth line with Achari, Schaller, and, and Corrali. So your answer is the whole team. The whole team. You, the, can't, you can't pinpoint one yes, guy. Yes, you can. You have to. Who? You have to pick one, and he got hurt last night. Thirty. What, how long was it into the game? 37 seconds. 37 seconds in the game. The answer is a simple Charlie McAvoy. That's why this team is having the unexpected season they're having. So we're going to get into, I mean, last night was a, you called it a, what, an incredible resolve performance? Yeah, because the Bruins last night? you throw 43 shots on net, you attempt 80, none go in. You should kind of pack it in at that point, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was like you could sort of see the damn getting ready to break. Eventually, I felt like they were going to break through last night. It was a matter of time against a pretty bad Montreal team. Uh, obviously, one where Claude Julien is now resorting to just uh, whining about officiating after that. Remember that? Game, so. Remember those yeah, days? Remember. Actually, I do remember that. Uh, but no, I go back to just in terms of what's different from last year, dramatically different. And if you had to pinpoint one guy, I know what you're saying. They, they definitely have a different dynamic from top to bottom. Uh, you could easily say there are a million different contributions and reasons why. But the biggest difference to me from last year to this year is McAvoy and the trickle-down effect and what they're like without him. I mean, Carlo, I guess they were more of the Claude Julian-type team last night with Carlo and and Chara, the defensive group. And, you know, five defensemen, you're going to play a little bit differently. Um, I just don't... this. They cannot afford to lose Charlie McAvoy for a long stretch of time. And and if if he's gone for the playoffs, I think they're in real trouble. Yeah, no, that that idea is a little scary. I'm not going to sit here and say they're they're a... third-round team without McAvoy. But I do think that 
you know, they got all these guys for this exact reason. You know, talking to people within that team, they knew that this schedule, this March schedule, was rough to begin with. You factor in injuries, you factor in the depth. I think that they think they can survive this for a few weeks. But no, if, if he's done for the year, which is terrifying to me because it, it's it was a largely non-contact Yeah, what injury. happened? I still yeah. haven't said I thought I thought for sure it was Gallagher. Dirty yeah. play by Gallagher on the first look of the review. He just gets tripped up there and something's wrong. And you think, you know, I saw him go down. And I go, oh, that didn't look good. And then he gets up and he skates. He skates fine. But then he gets to the bench and he looks like he's about to collapse on the bench on, on, the, on the way down the tunnel as well. So something went wrong there. And, and you know, it's always scary when you talk about non-contact injuries and what when what have you. Uh, at the same time, you're not going to find anything out today. They're day off for them. They're at practice again tomorrow. So... Kind of a nervous 24 hours if you're a Bruins fan. I mean, I rampant speculation would be a knee or something, right? You'd, yeah, you'd think knee or poor groin or, something. or yeah. something like that. I mean, it's it was weird to see the way that he kind of buckled going down. Uh, it could be any number of things, honestly, but I, I do think that uh, when you look at this, uh, right now they can survive it. They have this this point cushion here. You don't have to rush him back. He can take another two weeks off if he's if he's any if anything's swollen or pulled. You know, take your time. Kind of similar to the whole Bergeron thing. They have the depth to survive right now. But no, you're right that they need this player come playoff time because he is the key to that right side breakout. And we've seen it this year already. We've seen Chara. You know, he's played well. Don't get me wrong, but Chara has struggled without McAvoy on a full time basis because you know a lot of that comes back to Carlo and and Miller and you know who's the perfect fit, if you will. Well, in terms of just where the Bruins sit right now and the reason, you know, that topic comes up, how are they? And even I think uh, Cassidy at some point a couple of weeks ago was asked, you know, are they ahead of where you even you expected this team? And he admitted they were, uh, which is refreshing to hear from a coach in a way. He's, he's got some funny things he said even after last night's game we can we can get into. But the Bruins are 40, 15, and 8. They're already, in the last three years, they won 44, 42, and 41. They're going to blow past that number. They've got 19 games left. Even if they go... 10-9 and nine the rest of the way. They're going to be a 50-win team. I think they were on pace for like 108 points or something on the, some of the projections. They're third in the NHL right now in terms of uh, total points. They're still within striking distance of Tampa, sort of. Sort of. Six the games points played back. is helping them. Yep. Three games in hand. So this is a block. I mean, this is, this is a very good team by the numbers. Second best goal differential in the NHL. Ten double-digit goal scores, although I guess not one that's really shaking the uh, the top 30, you know, Bergeron still leads them with 27 goals. So what happened? What is the big difference that has propelled this team from where they were expected to be a bubble team to right now where you said they, even without McAvoy, they can sort of coast in right now? Well, I think one of the big things that we'll always come back to is the, the chances that they are taking right now. Are, I think they're high-risk chances. They're, they're legit scoring opportunities. I think last year we saw the little, you know, you throw it on net and you hope for the best. I mean, no, that doesn't always work. And I think you're seeing... You're seeing the success of that, but last night I think was a great example of of where that can get them into trouble. You saw them last night; they were deferring a little bit too much, trying to get the absolute best chance possible. Uh, sometimes you wanted to just throw it on net, but I think for the most part they've been able to find the exact sort of scoring areas of the ice where they'll be at their best. I think they have a, a you know every line is unique in the sense that I look at that second line for example, that new one with DeBrusque, Krejci, and, and and Rick Nash. They can score from all over the ice. I mean, that's really a remarkable line. DeBrusque is good in front of the net, so is Nash, but both players have great shots. David Krejci has been shooting a little bit more this year. You really can't discount what he can do when he's motivated and effective like he like he has been this past week. So I think that really changes everything for them. You know, they don't give up a lot of chances, but at the other end, they generate an absolute ton. That I mean, those things you're talking about there point to, obviously, the GM for putting it together, Sweeney, but keep him out of it just for a second. To Cassidy in terms of the system change, um, 
I don't know. It was weird to hear in the offseason the players talk about the coaching change. Maybe they just still defer to Claude Julian and they don't want to you know, trample on the grave. But nobody really gushed about Cassidy, did they, on, on this team? They, they all were kind of like, hey, he came in, he changed a few things. Wasn't that big a deal. It was just sort of a reset button. It was a motivator. You know, we needed a kick in the ass, that sort of thing. There was no, like, oh, God, Cassidy is the greatest coach in, in the NHL. Yeah, I think it's funny that you're, you're, you're seeing a little bit of it trickle out. I think that there was a, a, a quote earlier this year by a player who said that the D2D pass was a dinosaur-age move. You know, and that was sort of what Claude was. He was the, the D2D breakouts. That's how they Who would said generate. that, one of the defensemen? Yeah, one of the defensemen said these were, you know, Bruce calls these dinosaurs, dinosaur age breakouts, which is such a, a slap in the face to Claude. <laughs> but it's true. You know, and now you look at the way that they break the puck out of their out of their defensive end and they get they get going up the other way. I mean, that is where this league is trending. It is go, go, go. And I think he's coached that into this team. Everyone brings up the practices that, that Cassidy has, these high-tempo, up, upbeat practices. I mean, those definitely help. Uh, but I do think there's a sense of, you know, there's a looseness around this team. I think the young kids have helped that. I think the players who have been here for 12 years, 10 years, I think they're excited now to get to the rink again. That was the biggest thing you got, was was, was some of the veterans saying the young guys played looser. Yeah. That Cassidy's impact on the on the younger players was the most obvious thing, the tangible thing you could point to. Uh, that and, I guess, you know, managing egos, because he's got to bench a lot of guys. He's He's been benching McQuaid here of late. I think he's done a pretty good job of that, but I can't say Cassidy in and of himself has been like the biggest reason they've they've jumped no, from last year to this. Well, he still he still has some stubbornness. I mean, we've seen that he's taken DeBrusque and Heinen out of the rotation at times, not necessarily that they deserved it, but just to go with some heavier, older players. I mean, he's he has some clode in him. It's not like he's the complete opposite and he throws the kids out there for sixty minutes and he says, "Hey, do whatever you want." But I do. Think but he that benches them for a game, and they're back in there. Right? Exactly. Like Heinen's out for a game, and he's back. But but and, and here's the thing too about that is when he does bench a player, the, that player never gets in his own head. I found that when you talk to these players, there's a clear line of communication there from the coach to the player, and and I don't know if that was always there. I don't know if the players, you know, Ryan Spooner, for example, I don't know if he took that, you know, he, he would take it personally when he was benched and. He would never quite be the same, I think, when he stepped back in the lineup. And, you know, a lot of that comes back to the player's personality, I know. But I think they've done a great job here of sitting some of these these young kids, these 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, and even the 30-year-olds like McQuaid and saying, listen, this is what we're doing right now. It doesn't mean you're not going to be back in, but this is why we're doing this. So there's no gray area for these players. It's very black and white. They know what's expected out of them, and they know what they need to do to stay in the lineup when they return. Sunday Skate presented by Star Market here on Sports Radio WEI. Ken Laird and Ty Anderson, our Bruins beat writer for WEI.com. Give us your biggest reason. The Bruins are now third in the NHL in points. Quite an unexpected season. 19 games left. 617-779-7937 to jump aboard. The 2-1 to win. The sweep of the Canadians. First time since, uh, what, 94 or something like that? Since yeah, I was three. 90, you were three years old? Don't Good. remember it. Good. Uh, so, I mean, a part of that is Montreal is just terrible, terrible. They are, uh, they are an awful team. I don't even think it's Claude's fault. They're just the blue line is bereft. Obviously, Weber's out, and, um, you know, they've, it, they've had some... It's one of those things, the roster is Aging the complete, roster for a couple years, I guess. It's the just complete opposite of a Claude team, that roster. They don't have any good centers. Their wingers are all relatively small and not that skilled. I, I, and I think that their defense is, is just garbage without Weber. And I think even with Weber, it's not that great of a defense. I mean, they're so reliant on Carey Price to carry them. And, you know, when he's not in net, I mean, it, listen, Miami did a great job last night. But that team is hopeless. They allowed 21 shots in the power play. I know. That's why I have a tough time buying your incredible resolve. It, it, that's a game you should win. And, you, I wrote, you, and then I wrote, I, you know, the, you did. the Canadians are garbage. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't go crazy about this win. But... I think that if you throw 43 shots on net and you had, I think it was 23 missed shots God, in the second period. It's terrible. 
It's yes, almost shot. like that's a game that they lose under Claude. Under Claude, they lose that game. You know, they would get a goal when it was two nothing with a, with a minute left and be like, "Oh yeah, you tried. You make the box score look like you actually gave a damn." But I do think that you know this. You gotta you gotta give him some credit there for not thrown in the towel and finding ways to generate legit scoring chances with two minutes left. Well, there's a feather in Cassidy's cap, I guess, too. Talking about changing when he needs to. In the third, he basically benched Jake DeBrusque. He said as much, or he sat him for a couple minutes anyway. And yet, in the postgame, he's worried about how DeBrusque's going to handle it. He praised him for coming back and having the jump that he wanted, and he gets the game-tying goal there in the power play late. So he does seem to have a good knack for pushing the right buttons and yet not alienating young guys to the point where they're just a you know, shattered mess afterwards. Yeah, and I would say that DeBrusque is really a coach's dream. I mean, he is one of these players that it, he he gets it. He knows what he needs to do. He knows how he needs to return to the lineup. I mean, you talk to him, he he you know, his dad played obviously, so he's kind of been around this. He he knows, you know, how it goes and you know, he's one of these guys that I think is, is they're going to be happy to trade him. Because I, I, I said this last night, I think he's going to score some big goals for them. He has a knack for this sort of third period, teams down by a goal, whatever the case may be. He really seems to step up there. So and There were a lot of some reports that he was the ask from the Rangers for McDonough, right? Yeah, if, he if was. If they were going to get Ryan McDonough, he yeah. had to be in the trade. He was. I mean, it was, it was going to be, you know, we said this last week, it would be double what you paid for Nash. And sure enough, you look at what Tampa Bay, the price that they paid, seems to check out. Uh, yeah, the other candidates, I guess, for who would get the most credit for the Bruins and where they are this year, uh, a month ago, Patrice Bergeron was probably at the peak of Hart Trophy talk in his career. I'm not sure he'll, he'll ever win the Hart or even finish top three. In, cause he's just never going to be a big points guy in terms of the league leaders, I don't think. You, no. know, you ever see him being a top ten point guy or a top ten? Maybe This was, this was the best you were going to get, This was his I think. shot. He, yeah. he was on pace for 40 goals there for a while. And they miss him. There's no doubt about that, and he is their best all-around player. So I guess that's a different argument as far as, you know, who's their best player, what's the biggest reason from the jump from last year to this year. Um, without him, they though, they can put Nash up there, and he, they can sort of get by for a short stretch without Bergeron. Right? Riley Nash, that is. Yeah, I would the say so. Man's Bergeron. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I like it better than putting Bacchus there because I, I don't think that that would necessarily fit what they want to do with Marshan and Pasternak. I, I do think that... At this point now, you're at, that line is so talented on the wings that you can survive without Bergeron, like you've said, for this quick little stretch here. And I wrote this last week. I'm okay with Bergeron sitting these next three weeks. I really am. I, I, I don't. I think that to go anywhere in the postseason, you need Bergeron to be at 100% or closest to it. I don't need him playing through a broken foot right now when you have a 20-point lead for a playoff spot. I, I just don't need it. And you're playing every other day. Why did he play Sunday? That's the other question. I'm not saying it's like... Yeah, well, I don't think that they necessarily knew. Because it, it seems like it's a it's a small fracture. Well, right. They, I mean, they didn't find out until Monday, right? They took the CT scan, but he came to the rink in a boot. Yeah. Well, they all, they're also in a weird spot there because they had Nash play, and I think they were... I'm pretty yeah, because they moved Spooner that day. They didn't have an extra body because I don't think Gianta was in Gionta the building. Ready, yeah. yeah, I don't think he was in the building and ready yet, even though he lives in Rochester. Uh, so, so they kind of had to put him out there. But we know Bergeron at the same time. He's gonna he's going to play until his official diagnosis. And listen, I'm happy it came on Monday because I, I I don't want him. You know, put him in bubble wrap rest of the season. Both he and Chari, you well, need no, these so guys. That's what I'm saying. As a coach, that's where Cassidy's got to be. Like, forget it. You're sitting. You know, it's a back to back game. You had. He said we what took a shot off the. Off the his ankle on a clearing pass. I still haven't seen that video. I, I yeah, did you go back I, and watch that. I didn't. I, see I, it I had to find it. it. I thought that he got hit by a Pasternak shot. I thought I thought that's what did it. But then they said it was a block shot from from oh, one like of a the clearing attempt or something. I, I yeah, it, it. it's it's uh. So I I have to go back and, and find it. But I, I did see him 
kind of limping after taking a shot off the foot, but I couldn't tell you who shot it going back on it. I, I want to say it was it was friendly fire, but again, got to go back in there. Well, I mean, the other and the other candidates obviously would be, you know, Marshan and Chara, as you mentioned already. Marshan with the game winner last night, which is, as Cassidy called it, an all-world play, and he is um, an all-world player. I, it's It's just tough to say. Maybe it's the suspension still that sticks out as, like, this guy's still on edge sometimes. It's hard to say he's the reason that they are where they are right now. They have they have other parts that would just rise a notch above it, different from last year. The PHWA, they have us do a, a mid-season awards now. I actually gave Marshan a Hart Trophy vote. You did? Because I really think that he's... He, well, you know, it was fifth place vote. It's not a big deal. <laughs> he, well, I think that he's just, he has this knack for scoring these big goals as well, similar to DeBrusque, where you know you can trust him in any situation. You know, and I, and I think that you look at sort of what he's done as production without Bergeron this year. I think he's, you know, he's had some time without Bergeron. That's he's, true. He can sort still, of carry them a little bit yeah, when he's out of the lineup. Yeah, he's still been great. So I, I think that he's legit. I mean, that line as a whole, I, I just think that you're at the point now where. The players are not reliant on the other one being there as much as they used to be, which is which is great news for the Bruins because this is a team that, you know, they've been ravaged by injuries over the past this season and I think last postseason. So finding ways to have guys score and produce without other players there, without their line mates there, I mean, that's another reason why this team has been so dangerous. You just you can't bank on this team falling into a hole when one of these guys goes down, which is remarkable given those guys, you know, their talents. The power play has been, I guess, the one thing. They had the big night against Pittsburgh, but otherwise that's been wonky here of late. Might just be getting Rick Nash and some other guys into roles and get, getting things adjusted. They did finally score last night, but that's been a concern. If there's one other concern here the last couple of weeks, that's been it. Yeah, and that's a, I think that's a bit of a cycle. You know, you're going to see them go cold for a while and they'll get hot again. I think the big thing now is... is Teams know what they like to do in the power play. Uh, now you have to sort of change what you're doing and be aware of that while while getting guys like Gianta and Nash into your power play structure, see what they can do. I'm not big on David Backus being on your first unit. I, I just It's not something I'm crazy about. I get it right now because I don't have a ton of other options. I mean, I guess it's, they kind of missed Spooner there. He was, I don't want to say he was like a power play specialist, but he was a pretty good fit there for yeah, that Yeah, especially unit. along that wall there. I mean, because he would feed it to Bergeron, you know, in the bumper spot there for yeah. those one-timers. You haven't seen that because obviously Bergeron's been out. But they can probably put Heinen there and they'll be okay. Uh, Heinen has played there when Spooner was injured, and that was a pretty good thing. But now Heinen has to crack the lineup as well. I mean... You look at his game last night, I didn't see a ton from him that mm-hmm. I thought, I was like, okay, this player needs to be back in there on Tuesday. I mean, and this is not the worst thing in the world. You have that competition there. You have Wingles probably comes back in on Tuesday. The Wingles competition. It's great, right? I mean, listen, I didn't think Brian Gionta would have three <laughs> points in two games here. I mean, this is kind of, everyone that you need to produce is doing it, and this is not a bad situation, but at, at, you'd like to see this competition sort of have some set winners between now and April 9th. Well, we'll talk about the guys they added here at the trade deadline and look back on the last week coming up here on Sunday Skate. But uh, a couple of folks want to weigh in. We'll get to the lines uh, here. We only have an hour. Got to bang it early. Let's go to Blair in Maine to start us off here on Sunday Skate. Ken Laird to Ty Anderson. What's up, Blair? Hey, what's going on? Hey, right behind Tampa Bay is uh, – we're right behind Tampa Bay, actually. is the Boston Bruins right now. So we're really in good position of the playoffs, I would think, right? Six points behind Tampa, Blair. Six points. That's – Six points, yeah. So with a tough schedule, not bad at all. It's totally not bad. It's not bad compared to other teams like Anaheim, and you know you can name a couple other teams that are in other divisions. You know, like the Anaheim Ducks. And <laughs> glad we went to Blair quick. I, I don't know. It's like the hopes of catching Tampa. You brought this up last night at the rink, Ty. They pro- if they really have hopes to make a deep run, 
you could make the case they have to pass Tampa. They've got to be able to let the Lightning and Toronto sort of bang each other up in round one and get the easier seed. But it's hard to even say that with any... In the NHL, the playoffs are so random, it's hard to sit here and pound the table. They've got to get the one seed just because so many number one seeds have failed. I mean, the last... The best Bruins team under Claude went out uh, quick, right? That was the well, the second round, I guess, to the Canadians or whatever. Well, they had a, they had a great team in 2012 that lost in the, the 2012 first round team to the Capitals. Yeah, which which I think if they win that series, they probably go back to the Cup. So a little bit of frustration there on my end, looking back on it. But uh, but no, it's a real thing. I, I think that you can't discount how hard this road is for them. I, I think you're looking at a road that likely has the Leafs, the Lightning, and then if you're lucky enough, the Penguins or the Flyers, one of these teams in round three. That's a hard road. You know, I think I think especially that that first round one and two, we talk about the Atlantic being a joke, but you got th- the teams at the top there are three pretty damn good teams, I would say. So, I would love to see. We talked about this last night. I would love to see the Bruins get that number one seed and, and draw one of these, whether it's Jersey or Columbus or the Islanders. Give me one of those teams in round one because I think you can handle that in five games, six games, maybe. But that's where losing Marchand and Bergeron almost. Uh, sorry, not Marchand, but McAvoy and Bergeron almost. To expect them to now catch Tampa missing those two guys, that's going to catch up with them in the last next couple of weeks. Yeah, it all depends. I mean, you know, if Hudobin can provide these kind of games that like he had last night, you know, I, I think you're a little bit more comfortable with your whole situation because you know you can't put Rask out there every day. You don't have to. And, that, and that's the other thing, too. So it's one of those situations where they're scheduled down the stretch. It's a little brutal in terms of its travel, but the teams aren't necessarily scary. I, I think that you have three head-to-heads with the Lightning still left. If you win those games, it really changes the whole dynamic. You're not going to win all three, I, I would I would assume. Uh, but if you can capture two out of three of those, I mean, now you're talking. You know, now this could be a real thing for them. So they're we'll still see. like two weeks away from their first game with with Tampa in that stretch. It's amazing. This week they have one team of interest, really, Philly. Yes, Thursday, and then they have the bat, home and home with Chicago, garbage team, Carolina, Florida, and trash. then finally Tampa. So they yeah they kind of do have a bunch of trash. That's why it's like take your time. McAvoy, that's great. Take your time. I'm okay putting Nick Holden out there for 21 minutes right now. Yeah, but they lose the trash. They've lost to the Sabres, what, three times this year? Yeah, but the Sabres beat the Lightning the other day, too. It's it's one of these things where, you know, I don't I don't buy into the whole, like, Sabres, that was a bad matchup for them. I'm not going to lie. For whatever reason, that's a bad team for them. But these other teams, they've handled them all pretty well this year. I think they smoked Philly earlier this year as well. I mean, even their one team that you would say this is a great team, they destroyed them back in, I think it was December, and they did, they did just sweep Montreal, which is, we've established as a garbage team. So yes. they've taken care of business there. No doubt about it. All right. Well, coming up, we'll look back in the week. Speaking of Rask, we're going to throw him into the, to the pot as well because we it didn't take long. You had, like, you had an 8-4 to four win, and people were still squawking about the goaltending. A little bit. A yeah. Little bit. Oh, yeah. Over-exaggerated, but it's been a continuing theme of the season. So how does that play out? And we'll look back on the uh, guys that they did acquire here at the trade deadline. Gianta, Holden finally got into the lineup and has made some contributions I'm not sure I'm still sold, but uh, the coach praised them last night for some under-the-radar skills. And, of course, Rick Nash, Ken Laird, and Ty Anderson. This is Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. We continue here on Sports Radio. Yo, sports. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market on Sports Radio WEEI. Marshan holds the puck, comes off the boards against Drouin, turns the net, has a shot, and scores! Ten times in his career, Marshan has plunged the dagger into an opponent's heart in overtime. The Bruins come from behind to win in sudden death 2-1. 
Jack Edwards on the call. The Bruins' third win in a row. The night started off bizarre for me, Ty. I came into the rink about 4.45 or so. It's an odd start time. Yes, five very bizarre. Hated it. So I'm coming into the TD Garden. And who's behind me but Jack Edwards from Nesson. And I'm thinking, boy, this is a little odd. The game starts in 15 minutes. I could be coming to puck drop, but not Jack. He's got some one of his handlers with him, and there's, he's shouting, out of the way, face it, Nesson, coming through. Jack thought it was a 7 o'clock start. He's blowing past the guy at the metal detector uh, who tried to, like, tackle him, basically, because he wouldn't put his bag, you know, he was just... just it was, he needed to get through. He needed to get through, yeah. I don't know if they addressed that on the telecast or not. What would they have done? I have no idea. Would they have put Brick, Dale up there? They're coasting. You said it yourself. They're like 20 points ahead of the playoff yeah, line. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You just, just let Brick call the game. Yeah. It would have been awesome. I think Dale was in the building, though. You could have theoretically. Dale was definitely in the building. You could. Have, you would have had to move him up to ooh, nine. Ooh. Could you have done that? You got that, the agent on the phone, like, with 10 minutes. Yeah, is, that like, pay bump? is that in his contract? Can I don't know. Can you do that? question. You should ask him that on Zero Pucks Given this week. We will. Which people were missed. Missed big time this week. The first week off. Is this a sign that the, the podcast is taking course a step not. back? You of course sure? not. If this was Kirk's prediction. You guys would go like four or five episodes yeah, strong he has and a lot of Dale predictions. would tap out. Yeah, he has a lot of predictions. Uh, no, I no. it's just our schedules this week could not line yeah. up. And then obviously with the yeah. departure of one Michael Hawley, the schedules became even tighter. So no, Dale was in mourning. He didn't want to... I don't think it was that. No, he didn't. He didn't have a... He didn't have like a, you know, candlelight vigil and, you know... But, but no, he just... It, Listen, these weeks where he's on Nesson and we got deadline days and we got all this other stuff, you know, it's it's he's got a lot more going on than I do, I guess. The sticks are hot. The sticks are alive. They're scoring goals. Yeah, there that, it is. That, even, that was maybe the first episode. Or was that last year? It might have been last year. Anyway. I don't know. I, it was when I was not as good. It's great Thai hockey talk. <laughs> Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Laird and uh, Anderson, we were talking about why the Bruins are where they are right now. Third in the NHL in points. It is pretty unexpected and... All that being said, they're still going to be, including by people like me, uh, not given much of a chance to take a deep run in the postseason. I I don't see them getting past Tampa. I, you and I talked about Toronto last week. That matchup hasn't been good for them. I think that would be a great series. It looks like they're really destined to play the Leafs in round one, uh, unless Tampa just has, for some reason, hits a lull here. But the Bruins, despite the games in hand, now missing Bergeron, now missing McAvoy. We'll see how long. It's going to be a tall task for them to go on like a you know, a 15-4 and four streak and try to catch Tampa here over the, the last couple weeks of the year. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm of the belief that I, I wouldn't mind a little bit of a slide here where, where I think you've seen the makings of it, the early makings of it, but, you know, a little adversity never hurt these guys, I don't think, and, and I, I think they would be better off for it. You don't want to see them lose seven games in a row, but I, I, I do think that you get some challenges here. You're forced to tinker with what you have, see, see with some different lines, see some different combinations. I think it's better than if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, for example, and just rolling into the season, rolling into the postseason. As you don't an like that peaking wagon. at the right time sort of thing? No, I, Overrated? I, you know, I don't, I don't like that. But that I, is I, a worry about Bergeron to me. If the foot keeps him out like a month and he comes back with a week to go, I mean, I, yeah. he's been through injuries before. He's a veteran. It's, I guess he'll, he'll get his game back fairly quickly. But will it still bother him in the, in the playoffs? Is he not quite the same? Is he not having the... You know him. He's his got, career. The way he plays, he's going to get hurt again at some point. It, it's just about managing it right now. I, I think that your whole thing, you're worried about the Leafs. I, I'm not worried about the Leafs in a seven-game series. If the if the Bruins have home ice because they can put that Chara-Bergeron combo against the Matthews line, we saw it in their first game. The only game that Matthews played this year against the Bruins, we saw, it was in Boston. We saw Bergeron and Chara just completely crush him. He was a non-factor all game. So then you look down to that second and third line. That's where you you got to find the matchups that work for you. The, the Riley Nash line against Nazem Kadri does that does that favor the Bruins? It all depends on the game and where the venue is. But I, I think that that's a team they can handle. I really do. And, and the Lightning know. as well. 
I don't know how much credit to give to Chara in general, talking about you know why the why they are where they are. He's he's clearly playing well. Part of it, I think, is McAvoy and the McAvoy factor. There's no doubt, though, he shut down guys like Matthews and McDavid and Goudreau, and you go through the list this year. That that line has been great. The only thing people point to is now like the TB12 diet that he's on. Have you done a story on that, or have you bought into this whole thing? It's, it's all like, plant based. He's eating it sweet green, and that's the the difference. Yeah. Well, I think I think he's taken he's always taken his training seriously, but I think now he's taken the the idea of, of extending his career seriously. I think that was always the thing. It's well, he's in great shape, but he plays three thousand minutes a year, and you can't yeah. rely on him being good in April. I think now they've they found the the healthy balance there with, where he has a lot of rest and recovery, and, and his dietary you know his diet has changed to to benefit to help that. So I, I think that that has played a huge factor in this more than anything else. But at the same time, I I just think that. You know he is what he is, and and but now if they have this this deep defense where they can put him out and they can they can reel him in on, on nights where they're winning five to two in the third period, that's perfect. You know it's just it's, I think that when they get when they brought in Holden, and when you have eight D on your team basically and you're scratching two guys at night, I think that they had they did that with Chara in mind. They want to keep him fresh. They know that the schedule is going to be crazy. There are going to be nights where Chara plays. I think 17, 18 minutes, mainly PK, especially as the later we get in the season against some of these crap teams they're playing. What do you think of Holden after seeing him for a couple games? He had the the assist on the the Brust game tire last night, and Cassidy can, can be convincing. He was talking about what the hidden knack that he's got for getting shots through from the point, basically, because you can tell he's not like he doesn't have the Jerome McGinley slap shot. He doesn't have that big bomb from the point, but. He's obviously a, he's a tall guy. He's got the reach, so the, um, he he can be effective on the back end. But as far as you buy that, he's got this special ability to get shots through. Well, you look at you look at last year, eleven goals, thirty five points, I, I believe it was, and he has some offensive pop. I don't want to use it. You know, I want to go to him and say, okay, this is the offensive defenseman that they need. I like him better on the left side than I do the right side. I think that's where the Rangers made a mistake with him last year was putting him on the uh, or this past year rather putting him on the right side. When I saw him on the left, I thought he was pretty good. Right side, I thought he had some shifts where he was a little bit want, he was wandering a little bit too much for my liking. Uh, but it, listen, if he's a third pairing guy on this team, I think they're going to be okay. I really do. I think like that, if it's Holden and Carlo, like it was Thursday, that's not the worst thing in the world. I don't hate it. You know, I, 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 I and I think that Holden's playing well enough where you really can't take him out right now. I think that he's giving you something you need. He fits what Cassie wants to do. I think finding finding forward streaking with that slap pass. I mean, that's pretty. It's been it's been pretty effective so far. We have to say so. Was Grizzly benched for that game, or they they no, said he had an injury? He has a nagging injury right now. They're they're just kind of taking their time. Uh, no need to rush him. And and listen, I think when you're talking about Grizzly, he's been great. He's a great skater, but he is five foot nine, five foot eight. You know, the physicality will take a toll on him at some point. So getting him out, getting him a little bit of a refresher here, not not the worst thing in the world either. Uh, just given the way that he plays and his size. So basically, they're going to rotate all these guys for the last the next nineteen games. I yes. Mean, yeah, that's the way it's been explained to me is that don't read too much into some of these scratchings because it's it's about preservation, really. I guess I can buy into that. The, the, I wanted to play this Don Cherry cut. Um, this was a couple weeks ago. He was uh, asked about basically does he buy into the Bruins and why why does he think they're having such a successful year? Of course, he brings it back to himself, which is not uh, that hard to believe, but maybe some truth to it. Here's what Cherry <laughs> had to say about the Bruins and why they're having the resurgence season. Everybody says the same thing in Canada and everything. How the heck are they doing it? There's nobody in the top 30 scoring, and uh, Berger, I think, will get the MVP. I'm going for him for the MVP. I mean, he's going to get 30 goals. He plays the power play, kills the penalty. So 
This team is almost the same as our team. We never won one award, not one. We were the second best team after Montreal. We never won one award or never made the All-Star. And this team is sort of the same way, except for Marshawn. You. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I guess he's giving Bergeron the most credit there. They won't win an award. I mean, Bergeron probably would win the Selkie again. He'll he... lose it this year to Couturier. Oh, you think he will? Yeah, I because just he got hurt. Or... Couturier is getting so much love nationally. He's gonna he's gonna get the uh, get all the votes. I think. Well, if that's the case, I guess McAvoy had a chance to win the Calder, and that so, would be your only trophy. So Barzal's putting up five assists yeah, a night. Right, right. So that's probably out. Yeah. Um, the Jennings, they get that. Raskin oh, Hudovin. So that's that there's one they could get, right? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's uh fewest goals against. Fewest goals against is I, the I'm Jennings pretty, trophy? Yeah, yeah. That's one that Tim Thomas and Manny Fernandez won one year. Oh, who could forget? <laughs> I actually <laughs> How no could idea. anyone forget? <laughs> I think that was a real thing. I mean, yeah, they they could do that, but no, it's you're right. They'll they, get I mean, Bergeron may have gotten some votes for the heart, but it would have been pretty deep down the list. And the um as far like as good as McAvoy has been and I and I think he has been in Chara. Those guys won't get any Norris attention, will they? I mean, no. I mean, the award has changed. The award has changed so much so that that now it's it is the offensive defenseman award. I think whether you like it or not. I mean, I have my opinions on it. I think it should be a little bit of a mix of both. But there, I, I I can't see Chara getting serious. Or somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't see him getting serious love for it. I think that time has just has since passed. Or PK Subban. Yeah, Which I mean, would be I, another thumb in the nose of Claude Julian and the, and the yeah, Canadians who were yeah. just in town. There's a, there's a lot of nominees. I think I mean you just named two right there. I mean I'm I'm very partial to to Victor Hedman. I think he he plays a great game. He goes against top guys, and he's an offensive producer. So and he's playing. I, I was actually looking. at He plays like 26 minutes a night. As good as McAvoy and Charles up to 22 or 23, maybe. Yeah, that's unbelievable. No, it is, and I mean that's that's the big piece of their team. You know, I I think that we all look at Kucherov and Stamkos, rightfully so, but. What they can do in their back end, especially with with McDonough, that's the, that's the big challenge. When we talk about the Lightning and the Bruins, I, I need to see how the Bruins handle that defense because that defense, you know, they can be pretty damn good. All right, 617-779-7937. What's the biggest reason the Bruins are top three in the NHL right now? We have to get Freddie in New Hampshire and contractually obligated to do so. What's up, Freddie? Good morning, guys. How are you? Four, just like Ty said, four lines and competition. But that's not one guy, Freddie. you got to pick somebody. You don't take days off. No, it's a team. This is a team. Look, you just said there's there's ten there's ten scorers. They're not even close to top in the in the top what twenty in scoring. But there's ten guys. How do you play against that? That's what, the, what it's all about. What it's 2011 all over again. Okay, but what's they the biggest lines. difference from last year, Fred? What changed? The new kids are in there and they get competition. McAvoy days off of that. McAvoy is one of them. Yes, but I'd like to make a couple of observations about this week. Okay, okay good. Why is it every single year the Bruins play crappy teams like the like the Sabres, okay? They had they didn't have Kane, they didn't have have uh Echel. Eichel. And Eichel. And they didn't have Eichel. And they weren't even in that game. Every year it happens. Two years ago, I mean last year it was the Avs and before that it was the Hurricanes. It always seems to happen. And then Chara this year this week, okay? He he finishes a a penalty. He plays the whole two minutes. A guy challenges him. Everybody else would be going to take a nap. He he just destroys the guy. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a beast. See, make a pick, Freddie. Char is the biggest reason. A better Chara this year. They need to resign him for at least two years, and then so they can retire his number because he's he's got to go out of Bruins now. Pasta, he's got to stop bearing down. There's no way I should have been drinking nervous tonic in the third period of that game last night because. 
he sh- they should have been two or three goals up by then. Well, even Cassidy think- admitted that after the game, right, Ty? He should have could have had a hat trick easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I mean he, he's one of these guys, man, where, where he's just wildly entertaining to watch. I think last night he attempted ten shots. Only, I think, four or five of them landed on net. Yep. I mean, you know, it's one of those things you want the puck on his stick because he's such a talented goal scorer, but... It, it he really needs to bury a few of these, I think, especially when Burge runs out. I I agree with Freddie in that sense that you know now he's one of these he's one of these top paid guys on this team. I think he's expected to to go against top competition and have the results that he had last year. And you know I I I don't want to say that he's he's underperforming because I don't think that's necessarily the case. But you could you could use a few more goals out of him, a few more chances here. You know, and, and maybe it's just a matter of luck. Maybe he's going to go on a, on a tear here. He's have five goals in three games. You never know. Well, you know, according to Freddie, it's it's a team. Obviously, if 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 that's what you and Fred and others are going to stick to, and I'm not going to pick somebody that stands out above the rest, then it becomes a Don Sweeney award. It's it, this is it's all on the GM that he was able to put this group together and have a top to bottom good team. I want to talk a little bit about the last year with him though, because he didn't really. The offseason was the, maybe the quietest in the last 10 years, right? Paul I mean, Postman didn't, didn't get the needle, didn't move the needle for you? I mean, he did for me, but probably I can't speak for the rest of uh, you know Bruins Nation. But we'll talk a little bit about Sweeney. Set the week. Sunday skate coming up top of the hour. Volani and Bradfoe for four big hours, 9-1. to Rob Bradford down in Fort Myers. He wrote like a 10,000-word piece on uh, Red Sox uh, – Advanced scouting changing with analytics. Did you read this last night? I got through half of it, and I and I actually have the web page open on my laptop. I got to finish it when I get home. I, I mean, was, it was a combination of awesome and like Gary Tangway name drops. There were probably twenty <laughs> people in there nobody's ever heard of. Have you ever have you ever been to Fenway with Bradford? Of course. Like he knows everybody. Of course, it's wild to me. I he, I was walking through with him once, and he knew like the ushers and like just people that I was like, oh, who's that? He's like, oh, that's so and so's cousin's nephew, and you know they're here, and I'm like, oh, oh. Cool, I guess. I don't I know. I picture him up till four in the morning last night writing this, this analytics manifesto. It was it yeah. was something to see. Uh, but anyway, those guys are coming up. We'll get a little more hockey talk in. Though the Bruins a winner two to one in overtime last night. It's Laird and Anderson. This is Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. You're listening to Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show and WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market on Sports Radio WEEI. I think Tori had 10 shots on net and uh, come from our defenseman, I mean, that's huge. And, you know, I like to go to the front of the net. So, um, like you said, it's more just the focus of um, getting there. And uh, obviously it was perfect timing. It was a great pass by him. I knew it was coming. And um, it was just a matter of just getting a stick on. And I think it's just a matter of, when those are tight games like that, teams are you know, collapsing. It's you got to find a way, and uh, I was happy. Jake DeBrusque with a lot of kids in the background. It was like kids' night. It was after the game. How about the Laird kerosene prediction? Second intermission. DeBrusque at nineteen forty-two. Almost, almost on the money. I mean, you're what two minutes well, off? two minutes off. I'll still take it. And the game of predictions and a wild game of predictions uh, with a team that scores all these goals we've talked about. I know you got to take it. Uh, I feel good about that. Now, you were just rattling off some stats here during the uh, intermission. Uh, that line, the, the success of the DeBrusque line here the last couple of games. It's been phenomenal, especially with, with, with Rick Nash added to it. They've been together for 34 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. They have generated 27 scoring chances for and surrendered just 8 scoring chances. They both, they only have two goals to show for it so far. They're, they're outscoring teams 2 to nothing at 5-on-5. Five five. But that line has been... Absolutely phenomenal. That is your first line right now. With, with without with Chief Berger on the shelf, that that crazy DeBrusque Nash line is your first line, and they've just. I mean, we're at the point when when I watch Rick Nash, I think he's going to score every shift. Every time he has the puck in a stick, I'm like, he's going to score a goal he's here. Much better than I thought he would be. Much better. And 
the the what was it the second goal against Pittsburgh where Krejci was driving in the net. It yeah. wasn't even that great of a pass by Nash, but just the fact that Cre- it looks like Krejci's rejuvenated too. Absolutely, I think you know I think that he has trust now with with Nash. He knows what Nash can do. I think he trusts him a bit more than Spooner. I think Spooner was. You know, you're you're happy to see Spooner have success there, but you didn't trust it. You didn't fully believe in it. And you know, I was saying that you know they they should believe in this. They should believe in this. But now that I see Nash, I'm like, I can't believe I thought that Ryan Spooner was going to be a top six winger on this team. I just I can't believe I I once thought that. But I think with Nash, I think this may be similar to the whole Kessel situation in Pittsburgh, where you he's not the guy here. You know, he's he's a guy on the, on a on a pretty damn good top six, and I think that alleviates some of the pressure. He is making seven point eight million, but New York's eating half of it, so it's not as bad as it would be. And I do think that it's just been a good fit for him mentally. Now, what do you take? Um, Minahan had the counter argument earlier in the week. He does not like the Nash trade. He just thinks it's way too much for a rental. Where if if you don't win a, a round, even if you do, it's not, it's going to be viewed in history as not worth it. You gave up a first round pick. You were in theory. We talked about it last week because the trade broke like five minutes after we got off the air. Yeah. But even you admitted Ryan Lindgren was a prospect you didn't want to see go. Yeah, I mean, if I had a, if I had to pick, you know, the guys that are all mentioned. You know who is going to be going. He was one that I, I was kind of hopeful that they would hang on to, uh, just because I'm not I'm not a big guy. I'm not sold on Zaboral. I'm not sold on uh, Jeremy Lazan as well. I need to see more of these players in training camps and and what have you. But you know, and I, and I did like Lingren's game because I think he's a player that you know he can have some use for you. But but he's still three years away. We would say we would probably say he's two to three years away. So. You know, is that going to help 43-year-old Chara then? Probably not. You know, so I think this is a move. I like this move because this is capitalizing on the pillars of your team having career years. And and maybe they can't resign him. I don't know. If he likes it enough that uh, in the offseason he'll take some kind of a reasonable deal to stay. Yeah. It's, if you found a fit for him. It's tough because you have so many kids coming up here. You know, Donato's going to be entering the mix here. Frederick will be entering the mix. And, and JFK's down in Providence. I mean, you got guys here that you think should be stepping up here. And so you may be a little reluctant to sign Nash to a big deal, but if you can do a, a two-year deal where he's making five mil, four and a half, four and a half to six mil, I, I think you have to consider it because it, at least if they continue to produce like this, because this fit is really something that the Bruins have not had on Krejci's wing since, I would say, the days of Lucic and Aginla. I mean, Sweeney, Sweeney looks good. He was getting panned in the offseason for doing nothing, right? I mean, you said Paul Postma. Did, did they do yeah. anything else? Uh, Kenny Augustino. Remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe for like four minutes. But I guess you praise him for the, the fact that he just believed in his team. We're going to go with the young guys. It's worked. And then when they showed him it's working beyond even expectations, they went out and they traded a first-round pick for the first time since he's been at GM, and they got Nash in here. So Yeah, he resisted some some free agent deals that didn't make a lot of sense for them. Like Trevor Daly, they were in on, but they weren't going to go three years. I, I think they were in on Oduya for a little bit as well. Uh, but but again, they didn't want to go multiple years on these players, and and you're seeing why. I think you're seeing those players struggle, and you're seeing sort of the the complete picture here in Boston is that he wanted to have that flexibility long term. Where now we're talking about re-signing re-signing Rick Nash, while also saying, hey, well, you know, they may have to bring in these kids. I think I think the future has remained the future. You know, if you will, it's not you're you're not compromising anything by bringing in Rick Nash right now, which is the. You know, that's the best thing you can ask for, really. All right, Ty, good work. Uh, Ty will be back with uh, Dale and, we think, a Zero Pucks Given podcast yeah, this week. tomorrow. Check. All right, be on the lookout for that. I'll believe it when I see it. But uh, <laughs> what you is got, going you got, on well, You here? guys missed a week. I, yeah, but then one week? We've been pretty consistent. It was trade deadline week and zero, nothing. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the whole thing, Zero Pucks Given. All right, that's, uh, we think, coming up tomorrow. And uh, coming up next, Volani and Bradfoe. Bradfoe standing by from Fort Myers, ready to talk analytics in depth with uh, the manifesto that he dropped last night. And Volani's ready to go as well. I'm Ken Laird. This is Sunday Skate. We're presented by Star Market every Sunday, 8 o'clock, through the Bruins run. Uh, and that's Ty Anderson.
It continues on here on Sports Radio W. The attorney.